Bibles, guys, open up to the Gospel of Mark, all right? The Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5 specifically. If you guys are note takers, uh, the title for this morning's message is Run to Jesus, all right? Run to Jesus. Um, before we get into it, you guys been reading your Bibles much? Some of you guys, yes. Some of you guys, no, not so much. Um, every day, right on, because you have to or want to. Right on, dude. Keep it up. Um, I want to challenge you guys. If you have a Bible, but you just don't get in it very often, how many of you guys say, like, ah, I, don't, I just don't have enough time to get in the Bible? Like, you genuinely feel like you have too much homework, too many sports and commitments and stuff like that. How many of you guys? Okay. Then what's your excuse? How come, I'm genuinely asking, like, what's, what's the reason? How come we don't read our Bibles more? You don't know where to start. seems too big. The words are confusing. What? 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 Confusing? Every day? You got to learn, man. Um, maybe you got the wrong translation of the Bible. Maybe you got to get one you can understand. All right? Responsibility? Meaning you're not responsible? Okay. So it's mom and dad's fault, right? If they didn't make you make your bed and pick up your clothes and do the dishes... You could spend more time reading the Bible. All right. I'm fine with that. It's mom and dad's fault. Why else? You'd rather be playing video games. Fair enough. But I'm just asking for honesty. I'm not. Well, it's not like, did, did you guys see the fire come down and just consume him right now? Just a pile of ashes back there? Like, no, look it. If we have to lie whenever we get together, there's no point in getting together. Okay? Uh, for some of us, I'd rather play sports. Reading's boring. For some of us, the words are too big and I can't understand them. For some of us, we just plain don't really remember to, right? It's not that we don't want to or we don't like the Bible. We just don't think about it very often. I want to challenge you guys over this month, okay? It is officially October. You guys got that, right? Um, <laughs> free candy is coming up, all right? Halloween. Uh, here's the deal. I want you guys this month, here's your challenge for the month as the junior high ministry Begin to make the Bible a priority, okay? Now, I don't know what that means to you. I don't know if that means you make a half an hour a day where you're going to begin to read the Bible. I don't know if that means you're going to read the Bible three times a week. I don't know if that means uh, every day for five minutes. I, I don't know. But that you begin to make the Bible more of a priority. My heart, I would love to see all of us in the Bible every day. That doesn't mean for four hours every day. That doesn't mean you have to get up at 3 a.m. to start off your day in the Word, um, but that you would make the Bible a priority. It says that it is alive and living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, meaning no matter what we do, as long as we open it, it will cut us to the heart. It will show us the right from the wrong. It will lead us in the way that God would have us go for the day. Um, it says that when we hear the word of God, it increases our faith, that faith comes by hearing the word of God. So if you, don't, if you think like, man, I genuinely don't have time, get the audio Bible. There's all kinds of free stuff for phones and iPods and computers. Listen to the Bible, but that you would make the Bible some kind of a priority, all right? And if you're like, oh, I, I don't have time or I feel too rushed, uh, every single one of us eat at one point in the day. Most of us eat breakfast, okay? Uh, I challenge you guys, breakfast and Bible, what letter they both start with? B, they go together, right? It's like, whoa, make them go together. Leave your Bible uh, in the kitchen and every morning grab your bowl of cereal for breakfast with your Bible and then put your brain in it and bring the truth 
That's all I got. But uh, five minutes. But open the Bible. If you never read the Bible, guess what? Five minutes a day, that's 25 minutes, a, or yeah, 25 minutes a week. You're doing a whole lot better than you were a week ago, right? Make the Bible more of a priority. I don't care if that's five minutes with a bowl of cereal. I don't know whether that's a half an hour you're going to spend reading or you're going to get the audio Bible and start listening to it. But I want to challenge you guys. Open up the word of God, put it into your lives, and let God have the opportunity to speak to you, to lead you, to challenge you, uh, to direct you in the way that you should go. I promise you, you begin to do that and make some kind of a pattern with the Bible. A year, two, three, by the time you graduate high school, you will notice the difference. I promise you. Um, it, is, it is living. It's super cool. You guys have any questions on stuff going on, like Christmas or from that of worship? Or anything you read in your Bible you don't get? Yep. The night of worship of when you're going to get there or the meeting today? Like of the actual event? Uh, the actual event, when you, if you guys, how many of you guys signed up for Night in Bethlehem? There's like 30 names back there. You can still, cool, sweet. You can still put your name down. It's, today's the last day, but it's not too late. Um, it's a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You can sign up for one, two, or all three of the nights. It's up to you. The event itself is from 6 to 10, I believe. Uh, that's when people can come and walk through and experience the night in Bethlehem. But they're going to ask you probably to get here like around 4, I think, to get your costumes on. But then they're going to feed everyone super bomb dinners um, and we'll have time to get ready and then get out into the town. So it's a, it's a long evening together. It's like five, six hours together, but they're going to feed you dinner. They're, you're going to be well taken care of. It's a ton of fun. Um, watch your back if you're in the mud brick business. I got you. Um, but cool. Today's two o'clock though, all right? Any other questions? Sweet. Let's pray. Father, we look this morning into this incredible account God of a crazy story. Lord, that at times in life, maybe we will encounter something like this, or maybe it's just something we will hear of. But God, that you have power over the demons and Satan himself, Lord, is amazing. God, that you've given us weapons that are not carnal, but mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds, Lord, that you cause us to expose the unfruitful works of darkness and to be a light. Lord, as your word goes forth, may it convict us and encourage us. Lord, I pray that it would embolden us, realizing that none, none can overcome but Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. How many of you guys are aware, uh, right, it seems fitting, it's October, it's Halloween, it's ooh, scary darkness and goblins and ghosts and stuff like that. How many of you guys are aware of Satan you know who Satan is, okay? Who is Satan? A master deceiver. He's very good. He's a dummy, but he ain't no dummy. He knows what he's doing, and he's good at it. He is a corrupt or a fallen angel, all right? He has the same abilities, if you want to call it that, or strengths or, or whatever, as angels do. They're just fallen angels, yes. The original bad guy, the original bad guy all right? What else? The father of lies. Good job. The enemy of God. All right. Yep. A, a jo the, the Joker. All right. Uh, no doubt, oftentimes playing tricks and uh, temptation and stuff. It, Satan is the lead 
fallen angel. He is the master of deception. He's the accuser of the brethren. We've talked about these things. Now, how do you guys believe Satan is real versus a fairy tale? Okay. Now, how many of you are aware that he's not the only bad angel? Okay. He's not the only one that fell from heaven. When that happened, do you guys know how many angels he deceived and took with him? One third of all the angels, right? We don't have a number. If there were only three angels, then only one of them fell. We know there was way more than that. Uh, if there was 90 angels, what is one third of 90? Whoa, you're fast. Uh, 30, right? 30 of them would have fallen. If it was 900 or 90,000 or whatever, we don't know how many. There's a lot more than nine, I promise you that. Uh, but whatever it was, one third of them fell from heaven, followed uh, Lucifer or Satan's example, turned their backs on God, rebelled, and thus were cast out of heaven. It's incredible. Um, most of us would acknowledge that in a setting like this, yep, I believe that Satan's real. You guys understand now, demons are real, fallen angels are real, the kingdom of darkness is real, yes? All right. Um, they are by far way more powerful than any human being. Uh, hundreds and if not thousands of people could not even overcome one angel, even if we tried, or fallen angel or demon. They're very powerful, very tricky, uh, obviously transparent. We can't see them unless God, in, the, in some circumstances, people see angels and or demons and things happen. Uh, but it's real. Darkness is real, but much more real or much more powerful. What is more powerful than darkness? Light, okay? Imagine if you have a box all closed up and sealed off, what's inside of it? Darkness or light? Light. It's completely sealed. And next to it, you have a burning hot LED light bulb or lantern or something, and it's glowing. If you open the box, which one overpowers the other? The light overpowers the darkness. It's not like you open the box and darkness comes flooding out and covers over the light, right? That'd be freaky weird. You open the box and, and just darkness just overcomes the light. That will never, ever, 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 ever happen. Every single time, 100% of the time, lightness overpowers darkness all the time. What we're looking at today is an incredible story of God's goodness and the power of light over the power of darkness. Don't get caught up in, why are we talking about this light darkness stuff? We as people get so caught up and focused in on the dark things and demonic powers and we like uh, Not Scary Farm and these freaky movies that no one should be watching and it gets our interest. I don't know why or what it is. Maybe people think it's pretend or don't understand the depth of how real and powerful this stuff is. But it is a fact that demonic powers are real. You will deal with them and experience them in your life to one extreme or the other. But as children of light, we have been given the power to overcome darkness always. It says that God pulled us out of darkness and into a marvelous light, that we're to let our light so shine before the world that they would see our good deeds, that we are the light not to be hidden under a bushel, right? Don't let Satan it out, but blast his face off like a nuclear bomb. Like, be a light. 
God says you have the power to cast out demons if someone's demon-possessed. God gives us the authority of heaven and earth itself, and in us dwells God the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. And don't get so focused in, as this opens up, this story is an incredible opening of the power of demonic forces, but don't be so wowed by that. He is overcome by the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself. It's, it's absolutely just incredible. And so run to Jesus. We're going to read all this together and then break it up a little bit, starting in verse 1. All right, we're going to be talking about uh, the power of darkness, the power of light, and then fear versus forgiveness, okay? Uh, Verse 1, then they came to the other side of the sea, that's Jesus and his disciples, to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately, Jesus steps out of the boat onto the sand, and boom, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, that he is demon-possessed. And uh, he had his dwelling amongst the tombs. He lived at a cemetery out in a hillside, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains were pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken or smashed into pieces. Neither could anyone take him or overcome him. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Verse 8, For he said to him, Jesus had told him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And the demon answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. This isn't just one demon. This is multiple demons inside this one guy. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine, all right, pigs, were feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine. Imagine all these demons talking at this one guy at the same time. Freaky, man. I bet the disciples were like already back in the boat rowing for the shore. Jesus will be fine. He can walk on water. He'll make it. I'm out. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits or the demons went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 of these pigs and the herd, all of them ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine... They fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Read your Bibles. This is crazy stuff. It's amazing. Jesus is coming across the sea. He gets to the village of the Gadareans. Uh, These are not the most religious people in the world. They broke basically all of the modern-day rules and laws. We would consider them super rebellious or unclean or whatever word you want to use. They don't care about what the Bible says, all right? They are, at least here in this moment, they're in a place where they're herding a bunch of pigs, which is completely, uh, according to Jewish culture, just nasty, gross, disgusting, unclean. You don't do that. You never become a pig farmer. Uh, honestly, even now today, pigs are nasty. I mean, they taste b- amazing. There is nothing like fresh bacon on an open fire uh, or sausage or uh, honey-baked ham at Thanksgiving, like, right? But pigs are nasty. Have you ever seen where they live? What do they live in? 
And not, it's not just dirt. I found this out yesterday. We have a family member that has two pigs. They raise animals and then eat them, right? Like, don't, don't do that. You're going to in and out later. You just killed a cow, all right? So here's the deal. Pigs are nasty, though. Like, we should have moved them further down away from the house. They live in mud. You have to always have, it's called a wallow, right? That's a nicer word for it. But basically, what it is is you keep this big mud pit for the pigs to lay in. And the pigs, they're too lazy to get up and move. They just pee and poop in their mud, and they roll around in it, and it just starts stinking, and that's how they live their lives. And why would Jesus ever go to a place like this? Why not? Why not? What do you, what do you think? To show everyone he's the way, the truth, and the life. I love that Jesus doesn't just go to the mountaintops. Jesus doesn't just go to the temples and the synagogues. He goes everywhere, even where people are messing around with nasty old, dirty, poop-filled pigs. Right? This is gross. And yet Jesus comes across the sea, and he touches down, and immediately this man living in the tombs. Imagine living in a cemetery off in the hills. This is where he's been living for years, comes running down. This story is also in the Gospel of Matthew and also in the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at Mark's version right here, and every one of them has a little bit added to it. So when you bring them all together, you get a totally full, clear picture, all right? Uh, it says that when he came running, he came running violently. He wasn't just like, oh, hey, Jesus, like he was out for his morning jog. He came screaming down that mountain. He couldn't get to Jesus fast enough. Demon-possessed man, he'd been all scarred up from his cuts and bruises. He'd been pulling chains and breaking shackles. This guy's nuts. And Jesus gets out of the boat, and immediately it happened. But one of the things we are unclear on sometimes is, is it even possible? Can people be demon-possessed? Yes. If you are an unbeliever, you qualify, all right? A demon can possess any human body that is not possessed by the Holy Spirit. As soon as you get saved, thank God he does this, right? So the Holy Spirit, God himself, he fills you. He lives in you. That is awesome. If not for this reason, many, many others. But it says that that moment that Jesus comes into your life, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are sealed until the day of redemption. No one else can get in, and he is not going to go out. He's there to stay. But if you are not saved, anyone else that is not saved, demons can take possession of them. Multiple demons can take possession of them. Uh, it is a crazy thing to see. Yeah, the eyes roll and they get all crazy and their voices change. It's a real, real, real thing. Tormenting day and night. It is bad news. You can read all through the Bible. There's a young child. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying one or two years old, but there's a young kid, definitely potentially your age, maybe a year or two younger, that's demon-possessed, and that demon throws him into the fire, tries to throw him into the water so that he drowns. He convulses and shakes. It's crazy stuff. There's one, you see a young girl in the book of Acts following Paul around. You know the story? And she's mocking him. Oh, Paul, servant of the Most High God. Woo! And Paul's enough, turns around and casts a demon. It was crazy. But a young girl, demon-possessed. You guys know a lady named Mary of Magdalene? She's super well-known throughout the Gospels, loves Jesus in a unique way. But how did she ever come to know Jesus? She was demon-possessed. What? Mary of Magdalene? Not Mary, Jesus' mom. Uh, this is another Mary. But she was demon-possessed. The Antichrist, at the very end, if you read the book of Revelation, and all throughout the New Testament, when we see him, it says that the, Satan himself enters into the Antichrist. Demon possession is real. It is possible. Ephesians 6.12 says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
what does it mean? Stop wasting your time caring about what everyone else thinks, what everyone else does, what everyone else says. You've got a bigger battle to be about. Is my hat right? Is my jacket cool enough? Do I have new shoes? Do I walk right, talk right, do the right things? Am I good enough at my sport or my hobby? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This stuff doesn't matter. It's temporary. Just try it. Anyone's shoes ever wear out? I wear out shoes so stinking fast. I almost get in trouble, and I'm an adult for how fast my shoes wear out. Your pants wear out. Your clothes wear out. Life will wear out. Your heart itself will wear out unless Jesus comes back. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly or the atmosphere. It's real, and it's happening all the time all around us. It's wild to think crazy to think. An unclean spirit, this man's fully demon-possessed, comes running out of the tombs straight towards Jesus. The second thing we see in the opening portions of this chapter, he lived in the cemetery amongst the tombs, right? I mean, you guys ever walk by a cemetery? Dude, that alone is creepy. You guys ever go by a cemetery at night? It is creepy. I used to have to go by all the time. I wanted to go to my friend's house uh, when I was in junior high. I either had to ride my bike or walk. And it was like, you try, even though no one's around, you're trying to be manly. You're like, I'm not afraid. 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 <laughs> right? All of a sudden, jogging sounds like a good idea. Why? Why? Zombies. <laughs> Worse than zo- zombies would be awesome in comparison to demons. Zombies are like roses in comparison to demons. Demon zombies. zombies. Now you got a bad problem. (laughs) Anytime we become very attracted to darkness. I remember I had friends that liked running through the cemeteries and they like, you guys know like Ouija boards and all that? It's a stupid game. They've dumbed down. You can buy a Barbie-looking version from uh, Toys R Us. It's made, I think it says like from five up or something like that. Five-year-olds up. Uh, it's pink. It's got bubbly writing. It says Ouija board on it. It's in the game section next to Candyland and Monopoly. That's just real. They think, oh, if you put your hands on it and you start talking to these dark spirits that no one's really moving it, but that dark spirit's going to start talking to you. That stuff's real. And anytime we begin to be very interested in or attracted to these dark things, I promise you one thing, you are at least being lured in by demonic spirits. You follow that stuff, you are following the demonic spirits behind it. Drugs, man, I don't know if you know anyone on drugs or that's been on drugs for a while. They are hooked. It is insane to see the things that people will do and they they will give up for this addiction, they are hooked by the demonic powers behind it. Or alcohol, or there's a lot of other things, guys, but whenever we begin to love darkness, you are stepping into that attraction that is only offered by the dark world. Don't ever think, oh, this is fun. Let's just watch this movie. I'll tell you right now, the demons are loving it because they're getting you closer and closer, and closer. You think it's fake? You think Hollywood made it up? Where do you think they got the ideas from? 
This man, he lived in the cemetery. It's not his whole life. He had a home. He had a family. He had friends and neighbors. He probably had a job. But at some point, he becomes overcome and overtaken by that uh, possession. The spirit moves in, and all of a sudden, he's living in the cemetery and in this dark place. Don't think for a moment you can play around with darkness and you're not playing around with demons at the same time. Keep reading in this opening couple verses, you find out that he cannot be bound, right? He cannot be bound. I mean, they take chains and shackles. They try locking this guy up. They get the strong men of the city to wrestle him to the ground. And they actually occasionally bind him up. He just breaks through it all. Acts 19, verse 14 to 15, gives us an account in the early church. They knew that you could cast out demons, that Jesus had given the disciples and believers the ability to cast demons out of people, to overcome darkness. Uh, It's super cool stuff. And guys, we as believers don't ever have to be afraid. Like, when you start talking about this stuff, it's like, oh, man, what do we do? What do I do if the hall creaks? What do I do if my door opens when the air conditioner comes on and I think it's a demon? What do I do if, what do you do if, if what, what do you do? You stand strong in the name of Jesus. What can they do? Nothing can overcome Jesus, nothing. And if he is in you, you are sealed. Remind yourself that. It tells us clearly, Jesus said, all authority I have given to you for the purpose of making disciples, but at times for necessary miracles and the healings and these crazy things, and part of that, casting out demons. What do you do if it doesn't work? Jesus says, you pray and fast like crazy. You seek me like never before, and your faith will be increased, and you will be able to overcome all things in God's power, not our own. Don't ever think, I'm a Christian, I can do it. No, you can't. God can do it through you, but you cannot do it because you are a Christian. You can do it because God is in you, all right? There's some guys that get together, seven guys. They're sons of a priest at the time, and they get together, and they're like, oh, I've heard about all this cool stuff. We'll just go in and say, like, you know, hocus pocus, Jesus Christ. It's a magic catchphrase, and, all, and this guy's going to be set free. One demon-possessed guy in a house. You can read about it in the book of Acts, chapter 19. It says, also, there were seven sons of... Uh, Siva, all right, Siva was the Jewish guy, the chief priest, uh, who did so. They went in, they say, in the name of Jesus, get out, right? It says, and the evil spirit, he turned and he said, Jesus, I know. Imagine these seven guys are there and like, we'll do this. Get out. And this demon-possessed guy just, and he looks at you. He says, Jesus, I know. Paul the apostle, I know. Isn't it interesting the demonic world knows those who stand for Jesus? It's crazy. Says Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. But who are you? I don't know you. You don't come at me in the authority of the Holy Spirit. And it says that one demon possessed guy completely beats the tar out of seven full grown men to where they go running out of the house, completely terrified of what happened. We cannot, we have no authority in and of ourselves. But when we are possessed or indwelt by the Holy Spirit, by the way, there's a difference. The Holy Spirit, when he indwells us, how many of you guys are saved? You're like, I am saved. I know I'm a believer. Sweet. Okay. Dude, sweet. Um, So here's the deal. Any of you guys ever like, during worship, you're like, whoa, what is, oh man, this is bad. I'm worshiping and I don't want to. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That doesn't happen. It's never going to, it's never going to happen ever. Why? God's not like that. That's why he invites us to accept, and he's not like just pounding into us. 
the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. A demonic possesses the believer. There's a difference. And so these guys, they're completely coming in their own strength. They get beat up beyond belief. They go running out of the house. Their shirts were ripped and torn into pieces. Crazy stuff. This demoniac comes running down to Jesus, and he's well known. Everyone in the town knows. This used to be their neighbor, their friend, their coworker, maybe someone's husband or dad. It says that they would occasionally be able to chain him, but the chains he would just pull apart. You guys ever try and break a chain? Yeah, give it a whirl. It's impossible. I've at times tried, right? You're trying to get into a fence that's locked up with a chain or something. Not, not, not that you're supposed to do that, but... Uh, or maybe you forgot the combination to your bike lock, and so you're like, come on, come on. You get all your friends together, and you're pulling, and the chain is just like, <laughs> and this guy says they would bind him up, and he would just full-blown Hulk style, and just break the chains off of him. What the heck? This is the shackles, these iron bracelets with the rings in it they would bind him up with. He would just smash them into pieces. They would fall off crazy. No one could tame or restrain him. You can get the biggest, you know, MMA fighter in the world to go after a demon-possessed guy, and he will get his booty kicked. It's over. What does it say? It tells us that day and night, verse 5, and always day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. The crying out, it's not like, hey, how are you? Just a loud voice. It means to be crying out words that cannot be understood from extreme torment. Just, ah. The guy was under such power, it hurt. So that he would take rocks and he would cut himself over and over and over again. Like, from then until now, People that hurt themselves, it's not always a cry. It's actually very rarely an attempted suicide. It is a way to try and remove the pain in their lives that they cannot handle or articulate. He's crying out from pain, and he's cutting. It's not, I want to die. It's, I have no way to get out. This demonic possession is driving him insane. And he doesn't know how to deal with it. And he's crying out at night. And he's living in the tombs. He's lost everything he knows. He's to the point of cutting himself. But before we lose focus, you've got to focus on Jesus. You always run to Jesus. You can always run to Jesus. What if no one can help me? Jesus can. What if I don't know who to go to? Go to Jesus. Philippians 4, 8, right? We talk about this stuff and the opening of this chapter is dark and it's all about the demonic power that this guy has and the torment that he's in and the living in the darkness of the hills and in the cemetery. But don't walk around and get all excited about darkness. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, meaning they're right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or value, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
It is wrong. If you're a believer, a lot of us just rose our hands. It is wrong for you to entertain dark things. It is wrong for you to tell all these stories and go to all these places and watch all of these movies and just be all about, oh, this dark thing and that happened and this. Jesus says, no way. The Bible instructs us, whatever is praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Think about those things. Fill yourself with light, not with darkness. But this story is dark. It starts dark, but it gets light. That's the power of darkness. It can tear those chains apart. He is living in the tombs. He's cutting himself. He's breaking the shackles. He's crying out from torment. But the power of light always overcomes the power of darkness. It always has, and it always will, both physically, like in a room with a candle or a flashlight, and spiritually, Jesus over Satan every single time. Mark chapter 5. Hopefully you guys are still there. Take a look at verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. I would, if, that, if this is your Bible, circle that whole verse. That is everything. This was the turning point in this man's life. He ran and he worshipped Jesus. If this verse was to be taken out, the rest of them never would have happened. He comes running to Jesus. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, now the demon starts talking, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And Jesus asked the demon, now what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him, isn't this awesome? Demons start begging Jesus. He begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons now, they start begging him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And immediately Jesus says, all right, get out of him and go to the swine. And they take possession of the swine. The swine says they run violently again down the hill, off the cliff, into the sea and die. All about death all the time. All about darkness all the time. But what is this guy's first response? He sees Jesus from afar and what is, yes, sir. Um, most likely not. Demons don't die, and I'll answer, we'll actually answer your question in a second. Do you guys hear this question? When the pigs fall into the water and they die, uh, does that mean the demons died in that moment? Not necessarily, probably not. Uh, we find out the demons are even asking and crying out, have you come to torment us? Uh, or, or take a look, what's it say? Verse seven, and he cried out with a loud voice, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So they're saying, don't do it. If you look at Matthew and Luke's account, the demon keeps going and he says, have you come to torment us before our time? That the demons even recognize, look, we know our judgment is coming and demons will never be dealt with or finally put to, to quote unquote death, even though they don't die, until they enter into the lake of fire. That's what it's there for. And so they definitely would not be dead in the pigs. Uh, they may at best be trapped down there, but um, most likely they're free to do what they want. All right. Um, that, does that answer your question? Their day is coming. It has not come yet. Demons are free to run around and tempt and possess and torment and do what they want. Um, too bad it's not that easy, right? Get them to go into a dog, a cat, or a pig, throw them into the ocean, boom, demon's gone. That'd be sweet. That'd be like Ghostbusters almost, though. Like, but anyways... What is his first response? This demon-possessed guy comes running down to Jesus, and what does he do? What does he do? What's his very first response? He worships him. 
That doesn't mean he gets out his guitar and he's like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my, right? That's not what he's doing, okay? We think of worship and we just go straight to this music. And trust me, singing and worship is awesome. It's amazing. But he runs down this word worship. The definition means to kiss the hand, uh, to fall upon the knees, and to touch the ground with your forehead as an expression of profound reverence. You cannot even actually worship in song unless you're willing to do that with your heart. But it's to come and either maybe he grabs his hand, he's like, oh, and he kisses his hand like you would a king, or he even bows down to the ground before him saying, I am nothing and you are everything. And he puts himself completely at the submission of Jesus Christ. And I love it. Jesus isn't like, I don't talk to demons possessed people or go to church first. Guys, the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. It's exactly what the word tells us, that the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Don't think for a moment that God's goodness in your life is a sign that God loves you, okay? A lot of people have talked to you in the last couple of weeks or months, and they think they're doing good with God because their life is enjoyable right now. Oh, God's blessing me. I got to do this, or I got to go there. My mom and dad are getting along, and so God loves me. God loves you, but do you love God? How's your walk with God? It's good. How do you know? I'm blessed. That does not mean you're doing good with God. Not for a second does that mean you're doing good with God. Jesus even told us, I think it was in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, look at uh, the rain, when it falls, does it fall on one man's field but not the next? Imagine you're a farmer, right? You're digging the ground, you planted your corn, and your neighbor, he's not a Christian, he planted corn too, and it starts dumping rain, and it only falls on your square plot of land, and you look over the fence, it's just like a wall, there's just no rain over here. That'd be weird. God says, nope, I'll rain everybody's crops. It says that my goodness falls on the just and on the unjust. Why does God bless everybody? Because he's good. God is good. Not because we are, but in spite of who we are, God is good, and God is good to this man, not because the man came running, but because Jesus himself is good all the time, and he's there, he falls to the ground before him uh, in worship or that adoration, that reverence. Philippians 2, 9, this is kind of a long, but take a look, it says, therefore God has also highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name goes on, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven. What does it say? Take a look. Of those in heaven, of those on where? Earth, and of those where? Under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That when we step into eternity, guys, when Jesus comes back, and even now in heaven, we will bow and we will worship God. Here on earth, we will bow and we will worship God. And even hell itself will bow in worship to God. There is no name above the name of Jesus. It's incredible and it is amazing, but it's awesome. Jesus didn't have to get ready for this. Could you imagine? He's like, wait, I need to study first. Guy comes running. He's like, hold on, I wasn't ready. I need to go pray more. Jesus had, didn't have to get Jesus is always ready for us. He's always, always, always ready for us. You don't have to wait. And this is huge thinking. A hundred years ago, 200 years ago, this would be completely out of your mind. But you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to get right with God. Do you know that? You don't have to wait until Wednesday night church service to get right with God. He's always 
ready. You can worship him at any time. You can ask him for forgiveness at any time of the day or the night, regardless of everything going on. He's always, always ready. Now, who is afraid? If Jesus wasn't afraid, then who is, the man comes running. He's not afraid. Who's afraid in this story? The demons are afraid. This is awesome. We look to think about, talk about demons and darkness and possession and shaking and eyes rolling back. Like, oh my gosh, that's scary. I'm gonna have nightmares. Dude, you know what gives demons nightmares? Your savior, Jesus Christ. That is awesome. The man's not afraid of Jesus. Jesus isn't afraid of the man. Jesus isn't afraid of the demons. The only person gripped with fear right here, right now, are the demons themselves. They say, have you come to torment us before our time? Oh, don't kick us out. At least let us go to, they start begging the very word. It comes over and over again. And they begged him. It goes on the next verse. And they were begging him together. It's awesome. James 2.19 says that you believe that there is one God, you do good. But even the demons, they believe and they tremble that demons are gripped with fear and they shudder at the name of Jesus. It is awesome. It is awesome. I'm telling you, one whisper of the name of Jesus by one of his children will make them flee. I promise you. It is one whisper, Jesus, and demons will run every time. It is, it is awesome. They were afraid. It wasn't time yet though, right? Matthew 25, 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, this is God talking at the judgment, says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's talking about the lake of fire burning with brimstone. This is hell itself, okay? Why was hell ever made? If that's your Bible, find it, circle it, underline it. This is a great talking point with your friends. Why would God send someone to hell? God never intended for people to go to hell. Hell was made for demons. And the angels know that. And they start freaking out. Oh my gosh, it's not supposed to be time yet. You're not here to torment us before our time, are you? They knew it. They were freaked out at Jesus. He says, what's your name? What's their answer? What's the reply? What's the demon's name? Legion, right? Legion, uh, it's rough to find a perfect number, but it's more than 6,000. The average number means more than 6,000, potentially 6,800, give or take. It says, our name is Legion, for we are many. It's like, uh-oh. Dude, one demon in the book of Acts busted up seven dudes. What could 6,000 do inside this guy? He's breaking chains and smashing shackles. 6,000. Could you imagine Jesus is like, oh, oh, 6,000. That's a lot. Jesus is probably just like, huh, okay. I mean, I'm the creator of all things, the judge of all things. Nothing exists without what I did. A little bit of insight. There's a lot. There's 2,000 pigs. Remember, there's 2,000 pigs that run off the cliff and die. So at least there were 2,000 demons because every one of them were possessed. Potentially all the way up to 6,000 in this guy. And they all start crying out at the same time. No, no. What the heck? What the heck? How is that possible? You guys know it's possible? Someone to be way possessed? Tells us in Luke chapter 11. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. By the way, demonic places, they hate water. That's why the beach is so cool. Um, in the flood, Jesus dealt away with a lot of demonic stuff. 
seeking rest, and they find none. They don't find anything to possess. No camel in the desert, no donkey, no, no one. Uh, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he will say, I will return to my house from which I came. That house being someone's body. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Pause right there. Someone gets set free from the demon. And they don't believe in Jesus, but they get their lives back in order, right? They, they get new clothes. They get a new job. They don't cuss anymore. Whatever. They stop playing with the Ouija board or they don't do drugs anymore. They get their life all nice, but they just don't give it to Jesus. So they come back, find it all swept and clean. It's, oh, man, sweet. It's been totally renovated. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. I wonder how many times this guy was set free. I mean, if one goes out and brings back seven, seven go out and bring back 49, and 49 go out and you get it. And all of a sudden, there's 6,000 or more demons possessing this guy. And every time, it's a stronger one that's coming back with the weaker and stronger and stronger. This is crazy. If anything ever could have overcome Jesus, I think this is the moment. And Jesus doesn't shudder with fear. They do. The demons are terrified. Verse 10, and also he begged him earnestly that Jesus would not send them out of the country. It's just talking about the countryside. It doesn't mean the whole like United States. It just means the countryside, the hills with the tombs. In Luke 8, 31 and Revelation 20, uh, Luke's account of it says that they would not cast them into the abyss. It's the bottomless pit. When we hear about the bottomless pit in Revelation, Satan gets locked up. He says, don't do it. Don't lock us up. Don't throw us down yet. It's wild. And it's the very first time he says, get out. And all 6,000 and some odd demons have to go. They have to go. And for the very first time in a very long time, this man finds peace. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Don't think it's just this fairy tale idea, guys. Jesus is powerful. He is mighty. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Colossians 3.17 says, now the, now the Lord is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you know what liberty means? Uh, no. I, I thought until early this morning, I thought liberty meant the same thing. Oh, it means you're free. It's more than that. Liberty is more than that. It's awesome. Liberty means that you are free to remove bondage and things that you are entrapped to. It's so much more than just being free, right? Dolphins are free. They're just running around in the ocean. Birds are free. They're just flying around. But that when we are free in Christ, it says that you can destroy what has a grip on you. It can be removed from your life. And it says wherever the spirit of God is, there is liberty. There is freedom from bondage. That God doesn't just save free people, God saves slaves and makes them free people. And so either there will be freedom or there will be fear. The man did not have fear, Jesus did not have fear, the demons were full of it though. Freedom versus fear, the last couple of verses. Take a look, read it with me, starting at verse 14. 
So those who fed the swine, they fled and they told it in the city and in the country. They're going everywhere. Now, this, this whole setting wasn't just Jesus' disciples and this demon-possessed guy. Right? I don't know what his name is, Demon Man. So Demon Man's there, but there's a crowd of people. All the little swine farmers are there, and they're like, oh, my gosh. They turn and they run. I would probably turn and run too. That is crazy stuff going on. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Now all the crowds start coming over the hills. They start pouring down into this small part of the valley. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. They tell him everything. Then they began to plead. This is nuts. One more group of people set with fear. Then they, the crowd that heard about everything and that had come to see Jesus, they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Jesus, we want you to go. Just, this is insane. I'm glad this guy's good, but you need to go. You need to leave. Verse 18, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him, Jesus, that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him. He said to him, go home. Remember, he has a home. Go to your friends. He had friends. And tell them what great things the Lord had done for you and how he has compassion on you. And so he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, the ten cities, all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. It's incredible. The people's reaction is incredible. They come, they hear about it, and here it is. It says that he was clothed and in his right mind. They see him probably scarred up. They see his, probably his hair pulled out. I mean, this guy was a wreck, screaming at night from the torments. It's amazing. And they come and they say, man, Jesus, this is crazy. You need to go. Luke's account says that they were gripped with fear, seized with fear. They were afraid of Jesus. And it makes sense for a moment. If you think about it, they could not overcome this man. And so whatever set this man free was more powerful than the demons inside of him. But they did not know the heart of God. They saw God's power, but God's power without God's heart is a terrifying thing. If we just see the judgment and the righteousness and the sovereignty of God, and we don't understand his grace and his mercy and his love, it is a terrifying thing. But the man who came running, he knew the heart of God. He wanted to be with Jesus. The crowd, Jesus, you need to go. The man that was set free said, Jesus, I want to come. I want to be with you. I want to follow you. It's crazy. A group of people afraid of Jesus, one man willing to follow. Don't you think Jesus would have said yes? All right, come on, let's go. You're not coming. I have a job for you. And at the moment this guy was set free, Jesus commissioned him, you go tell everyone the power of God, his power and his compassion. What's the message? What do your friends need to hear? Your friends need to hear that Jesus Christ has power to break the things of the world that they see and that they're terrified of, to break the chains of hell, to change homes, to set people free, to lead us in the paths of righteousness or light. Your friends need to hear about the power of God, guys. But they also need to hear about the compassion. Jesus says, you go tell them the mighty things that God has done for you and the compassion that I've had on you but maybe we don't know the power of God. Maybe, maybe you don't know the power of God. Maybe we haven't run to Jesus yet in our own way. 
But you start running to Jesus and you start giving him opportunities, you will see the power of God in your life. You start even whispering the name of Jesus and see what happens. Talk to your friends, even in quiet, talk to your friends to see what happens. But we have to show compassion. Last thought. We're going to worship in a minute, but last thought. What was this man's first response? You've got a backup in your brain. About 20 minutes ago, the opening of the chapter, he's demon-possessed. He's been known for breaking chains and smashing shackles. But he runs down to Jesus, and what's the first thing he did? He worshiped Jesus. Does it seem weird to you, a demon-possessed guy running to Jesus? I thought about this for the last couple of days. It was like, a demon-possessed guy who's been cutting himself, crying out from torment, people couldn't help him, and he comes running to Jesus. It just seems so weird. Seems so backwards. How can you be under that kind of a bondage and still run to Jesus? Well, apparently, no matter how bad things get in life, the one thing you will always have control over is your ability to run to Jesus. You can always go. He is always ready all the time. Right? We're going to pray and we're going to worship, but as we worship... I want you guys to think about, look, where am I at with the Lord? And know it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So today, if you have to repent, repent. If there's something holding on to you, whether it's your language or something, a habit you have in your life and you need it to go, give it to Jesus. He'll take it. Forget breaking chains, man. He'll break demons. It's amazing. Father, Lord, we love you. And confess, Lord, we probably don't run to you enough. As this man did, Lord, may we do also. God, that today, right here in this place, at the beginning of a new week, Lord, we would lay it down. Lord, those that are stuck, they've tried everything they can do. They've tried everything to make their lives right, but it just isn't working. Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus, you would break these things. God, that by your spirit, you would consume them with your power and your might and your gentleness and your grace. Lord, that they would walk free today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, as hard as it is, as crazy as it is, if there's something going on in your life that it's like, this has to go, grab a leader before you go home and let's pray, all right? We'll pray, we'll give it to God, and you will walk free. All right, God bless you guys. Let's worship for a little bit.